0: The Home Show with Sinead Ryan on News Talk.
1: Welcome to the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, Benoit Nicol, French scent expert, will be talking about the fragrance of love for you and your home. Stephen Kinsella, Professor of Economics at the University of Limerick, will join me to explain how the European Central Bank interest rate hikes impacts you and I. Garden designer Dermot Gavin continues his fortnightly gardening masterclass and Arlene McIntyre, interior designer to the stars on high-end trends this year. You can email us on the podcast at newstalk.com, and of course you can listen live on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock on Newstalk. Now as I mentioned just there, Valentine's Day is of course on Tuesday and we are joined by scent expert and founder of essential oils company The Nature of Things, Benoit Nicole, who is going to tell us everything we need to know about scents and fragrances and what we should be wearing on Valentine's Day, maybe on Valentine's night and even fragrancing our homes. Benoit, you're very welcome to the studio today.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Sonette, for for welcoming me here.
1: Now, um, you're French, so immediately we think of all things romance and luxury and fabulousness. Is Valentine's Day important to you?
2: Well it is yeah um well I, I have probably have to disclose that I've I've had you know three uh, kids uh <laughs> In the past four years, and ah. uh, and uh, I need to probably uh, you know bring a bit of uh, you know you know fire to my uh, to my romantic uh, or maybe maybe halt uh, uh, to uh, it yeah. if
1: you have three kids under I, I, four. Yeah, absolutely.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I I mean definitely this uh, this interview made me uh, really think about this uh, Valentine's Day this year, and you know how I can I can probably do a better job than last year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now, of course, your your backstory, your own story, is one of love because. Um, you moved here uh, because of
2: an Irish woman. Absolutely, absolutely. I was living in New York and working in the in the fragrance industry, and uh, I met uh, I met my who would be my future wife uh, in New York. Uh, she was she was there for a year, and you know we met uh, at the time. She had you know we were just friends for for a long time. And then fast forward fifteen years, and one of my good Irish friends in Kilkenny uh, got married. I came from New York to the wedding, and. My wife was sitting next to me. Uh, oh, I think yeah. it was a bit set up, but uh, but it worked very well. Um, we, you know, we fell in love and did some long distance, uh, you know, romance for a while. And then I decided to move here, basically. So um, uh, so that was, uh, I'd say, six years ago now. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you've yeah. been
1: busy since, obviously. And we've been busy starting a business <laughs> yep.
2: uh, and uh, you know having uh, starting a family yeah. and. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah, it's been great, uh, but uh, yeah, just full on, like you say here, uh, full on. Full That's on. exactly yeah. what it
1: sounds like. All right. Well, listen, before we talk um, specifically about maybe the home and fragrances in particular, you place great emphasis not only on the sense of smell but on all of our senses.
2: Yes, absolutely, and and, and I think uh, you know, as you said, you know, all the senses are important, and you know, I, I senses uh, like. Uh, smell is a bit some, sometimes the forgotten one in all of this but you know think about it um for valentine's you know you want first to visually set the decor uh you know set the set the scene you know dress you know well and uh, and have a you know if you have a romantic dinner at home you know a little table lit and uh, uh you know a nice environment uh, then you know, of course, you might want to play also with the the sense of hearing with uh, w- a nice music in the background. Mm. The taste, you know, we associate uh, Valentine's very often to uh, to a nice dinner. Uh, so uh, so that's that's definitely very important, and and uh, uh, food is very sensual. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of chefs would tell you that definitely. And uh, uh, you know, touch is the other sense that you know maybe I'll, I'll i'll you know i'll i won't talk talk too much about it. it's very obvious That's that you know later, it's a bit later evening. in the okay. evening <laughs> but it's it's very obvious that this is uh, valentine's is, is is all about you know touch as well and and finally you know uh, smell
1: everybody i think probably out there listening has a scented candle somewhere or a fragrance that they use in the home or it, probably for most people, a mishmash. You are talking there about food, you're going to have cooking smells, you're going to have pet smells, <laughs> you're going to have all kinds of things going on. Yeah. Do you, you know, when you're creating a scent for a special day that you want to override all that, what kind of things should we be thinking about or what kind of moods are we trying to create?
2: Yes, and I, and I think it's a very good point. I think it's 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 important to, to realise that, yeah, that different rooms have a different... Uh, a different function in the house and uh, you you probably don't want to have you know an overriding smell and the same smell everywhere um, I, I would I would probably you know for Valentine's for instance focus on you know leaving the kitchen where it is and the food experience where it is like I think uh, you know there's a lot of smell coming from food and mm. I, I don't want to necessarily disrupt that in uh, in in the dining room uh, because that's that's again uh the the smell of food can mm. be very you know enticing enticing yes, and yes. sensual as well um uh so uh you know i would focus more on the kind of the living in the living room the living room and the bedroom for instance okay. uh, so in the living room you probably want to have you know something especially in the early part of the evening something that's a bit more kind of uh, um uh makes you happy refreshed alert you know uh, so I'm, i you know i like I like, you know, smells like, you know, Neroli or ginger or, you know, some citruses even that kind of keep you kind of uh, fresh and alert. Now,
1: you've uh, brought in some of your products here, ab- Benoit. So give me an idea of the kind of scent that yeah. you're looking for here. So Just, so so I, so, so 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 I think Neroli
2: is a great one because Neroli, neroli okay. uh, also called orange flower. Huh? So, uh, oh, so that's this lovely. is.
1: Oh, do you know what that smells like? If you're in. Um, a spa and you're getting a lovely facial done and it's that oil that is put on yeah,
2: you Yes, so it's a very luxurious oh, oil it's beautiful So it's it's So it's the flower of citrus trees basically ah, yeah. okay. and in this case the bitter orange tree uh, and that's harvested in usually okay. in Morocco, uh, in Egypt, uh, are the, the, the main producers. or uh, Tunisia okay. as well. That's, so this is a gorgeous, lovely. it's Got citrusy, that. it's fresh, mm, lively, but also floral <laughs> and, you know, kind of sensual as well. Okay. Um, so you want also maybe you could add, you know, something like
0: um Right. This I don't is know if you like that so that it's a ginger it's and a ginger. Okay.
2: ginger makes you happy and it's a, so it's a fresh ginger in this case mm. so it's a lovely quality of ginger you know again in this early part of the evening for Valentine's you know you want to be you know to, to be fresh and happy and uh, and alert and and know, are these
1: and oils now tell me how they're going to be used because this is in this is an pure essential
2: oil in a, in a very
1: small little pot do, is it heated or do you so you can use it, use it in a, of a variety diffuser? Of ways absolutely mm-hmm. so you
2: can use a diffuser and mm. usually typically you 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 dilute these uh, a few drops of oil in a, in a diffuser with water and uh, you'll you'll get a little uh, steam you know coming out of it and it's okay. it's subtle and it's lovely and it will really Render the scent in a in a very nice way. Yeah, uh, and then um, okay, uh, so
1: that's for the home, and that yep. kind of gets you in you know relaxed and in the mood. And actually, it is very relaxing. Absolutely, kind of
2: absolutely, okay. absolutely. Uh, and then and then you can you can you know think about the, the the bedroom, of course, where you you might want another type of scent, a bit more sensual. Uh, you know, I'm thinking woods. You know, uh, heavier flowers like, uh, like rose or those Now, uh, Now,
1: I'm thinking you don't want something maybe too masculine or too musky, but woods, you're you're thinking um, um,
2: sandalwood is the, is probably the, 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 the Ah, wood that's the most sensual that, uh, that you you can get. I I can't
1: count now for how I'm going to react to this. It's it's, it's very,
2: it's very subtle, but it's, 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 it's a gorgeous, gorgeous oil. And you can, you can put it on your, on your body as well. Uh, that's intense. uh, entirely
1: um, different now. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just like a very much a background kind of a
2: scent, isn't it? Absolutely. So this is something you can use as a body cool. oil as well. Um, okay. uh, you can use vanilla yeah. to make it a bit sweeter. And again, think that you mm. will use this in very little yes, amounts. It's right. going to be subtle. It's going to be on your skin or it's going to be in the diffuser. Too much. Mm. too much is too much. Mm. Um, of course, okay, that's much you have then. rose. Okay. Uh, and I'll show you another Another flower as They're well.
1: definite. That's definitely a richer, kind of a deeper
2: Ab- scent, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, lovely. But, but you know, mix okay. it with sandalwood and it's mm. going to be, um, you know, a, okay. like really... So a, you, a, you
1: put these... So it's okay to put in a couple of drops of different ones and then create absolutely. your own. Absolutely.
2: And that's, that's, that's what I love about diffusers. Uh, and and okay. by the way, you can use, uh, you know, these diffusers I was talking about with the water and, and a few tuberose. drops of oil. Okay. And this is tuberose. That's, that's a, a very different flower. Um uh, but, but but quite sensual as okay, well. Okay, beautiful. So
1: in the bedroom we're going for a much kind of more nighttime smells, really, aren't they? I mean Ab- these absolutely. aren't daytime wake you up, you know. Ab- absolutely, kind of absolutely. Freshen up yeah, yeah, the yeah. laundry kind of smell. These are just subtle kind of deeper.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay,
1: fantastic. All right. Now, of course we don't want to forget ourselves and I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than being in a room with somebody who has doused themselves in perfume. Uh, or after sh- aftershave, I, by the way. I, is the I worst totally
2: point. agree. Again, you know, you want something that's subtle, and you know, first, you know, you want to make sure that you know the body odor are, are neutralized, and so like a nice shower to start the evening or before the evening is a great, is a great routine idea. to have. Okay. And then, and then again, the perfume should be subtle. You don't want to make a, a statement in across the room. You know, you <laughs> want, you know, you're going to be with, you know, another partner that you want to seduce. And it doesn't need to be, you know, over the top. And so I, I, you know, I like to keep it very, very subtle. You know, close to your skin. Don't don't put it too much. Put it a bit earlier on. In the evening, and it and let soak in. Now, of a course, bit, um, a
1: lot of the models and I've seen them kind of on the catwalk, and, that, and they put down, or, or you see actors doing it, and they spray into the air and then walk into the spray. Are you a fan of that? Uh, <laughs> it kind of lands on you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I well no, I no, I don't I don't do that. I I'll, <laughs> I'll put it close to my skin okay. myself, but uh, uh, but I don't spray too much. I just you know like. A, so
1: less is more. Is that the message then?
2: I I would I would definitely. Uh, beyond that, uh, know, okay. that direction uh, absolutely and you can again for the for the for the sand there you can you know think about you know you see something sensual but it can be your own you know, classic fragrance, it can be a fragrance that, uh, you know, you had when you first met that person uh, that will be a bit, you know, uh, playful and, you know, you'll want to uh, to go back to that time when, you know, uh, you were wearing that, that particular fragrance.
1: Isn't it a funny thing the way sometimes we wear the same scent all the way through our lives and you can kind of recognise somebody
2: Absolutely. from
1: it I, I remember reading and I don't want to kind of down the tone of the interview but Prince Harry's book Spare and one of the moments in it he had been asked by his therapist to bring in his mother's perfume he hadn't smelled it in years and years and years since she was alive Diana and he brought it in and opened it up in the therapist's office and he said he was immediately transported back to his childhood
2: Abs- Immediately. Absolutely, I mean, it's and a
1: powerful thing, isn't it? It's a
2: powerful. In fact, scent you know triggers two two reactions in our in our um, in our brain. Uh, so the emotional part and the memory part, and, and these are two very powerful. Uh, elements and that that triggers a lot of you know emotions emotions and and you know the memory is like uh, we memorize like a, an extraordinary amount of sense in uh, in throughout our life but we just don't realize it and sometimes we smell that again and it you know it takes you back to. 20, 30 years before. And it's incredible.
1: Indeed. Okay, a very strong thing. Absolutely beautiful products. Uh, Benoit, you're on Instagram on the nature of things. And of course, the shop is down in... Smithfield,
2: yes. Here well, in so 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 we sell across like, across like uh, Ireland through many retailers, but uh, you can you can buy online as well. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: Now I have a final question to ask you. Big weekend, lots of French people in the city uh, because of the match coming up. Um, so, if you were asked to design a scent for uh, Entmac or Antoine Dupont,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, that's. Uh, that's a, <laughs> I'll, I'll probably go for something very fresh that uh, keeps him very alert. Uh, uh, like a like a kind of a, you know a nice cologne because uh, we will need all our strengths we we'll need uh, we we'll need to be ready because Ireland has played you know very well last weekend and uh, France was a bit disappointing I found so they'll need to bring up their game. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking and, something uh, yeah. sleepy and yeah. <laughs> relaxed. <laughs>
1: all right, Benoît Nicole Thank you so much for coming into studio. That's Benoît Nicole owner uh, of the nature of things here in Dublin, and thanks a million for joining us. Thank you so much. You're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast here on News Talk. If you'd like to get in touch with the pod, you can do so via email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com or you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan100. Now, the European Central Bank has raised interest rates yet again, meaning more pain for mortgage holders. What does it mean for you and I and when will it all end? Well, to find the answer, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Kinsler, Professor of Economics at the University of Limerick. Stephen, you're very welcome along to the pod. Uh, How are you doing? Good. Now, let's start with a bit of Economics 101. Why is the European Central Bank piling us with pain on interest rates?
3: The basic uh, economic theory uh, for your listeners is that when uh, banks, private banks like Bank of Ireland or AIB want to borrow money, Lend to us; they borrow it from the central bank, which is uh, normally owned by the government. And so, when you raise the price of uh, borrowing, uh, it, that reduces the amount of credit in the system, which slows down economic activity. Right. So the, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a handbrake in a car. You you raise the handbrake to slow the car down. I'm not suggesting everybody put pr- full handbrake turns, but that's the basic idea. Right. Mm. Um, and so what uh what the central bank is doing is they're seeing that the economy is overheating a good sign of that is inflation which is the level of prices in the economy It's going way too high so what they what they'll do is they'll make the price of credit more expensive that will slow down uh credit being uh, shoved into the system and that will uh, reduce economic activity it's also a very strong signal to businesses and to governments uh, around the world, that the policymakers are really serious about inflation, and so it sort of tells uh, firms that are raising prices, slow down there now uh, and, and moderate your price increases, which is where a lot of this is coming from. And so that's that's really the, the the nuts and bolts of it. The central bank in in Europe has been quite slow to act on uh, the very large changes in mm-hmm. inflation. Um, it norm it normally is quite slow. It's always about 12 months behind the uh, U.S. Uh, central bank the Federal Reserve. And so what has actually happened is um, they've raised interest rates quite significantly over the last little while, which everybody with a tracker mortgage would be aware of. Um, uh, And some people on variable mortgages will be aware of. uh, And they've credibly committed to at least one more uh, rate increase in March um, and and thereafter. We'll see.
1: OK, so like, but there is a feeling like for ordinary people, for mortgage holders, and I know all the boffins are making these big decisions somewhere else, but, you know, there's that feeling we're being punished and this time we didn't all party. I mean, this isn't our fault. This is Putin's fault. This is about energy crisis. This is about other things. So when you talk about the market overheating, you're, you're talking about people spending more, but they can't help it, Stephen. I mean, this is not stuff that we're, we want to be buying, uh, paying our electricity bills and paying our gas bills and paying more in grocery shop this is just something that has happened because so is there a chicken and egg about it a bit?
3: Well unfortunately the way inflation works is it gets it takes hold in the system and then kind of runs riot mm. so everybody sees oh look the price of energy is going up by 20% if you look at it lash another 25% on, on onto the price to cope with any kind of uncertainty mm. and that's uh, that, and that's actually what's happening in the economy at the moment and so where inflation is coming from at the moment is is firms uh, putting up their prices mm. a little bit more than the rate of inflation. Like a hedge, yeah, like okay. a hedge. Okay. And that, that, there's there's a really good reasons for doing that. Um, you know, it is a very uncertain time. Uh, but what it does mean is that the the central bank has to tell everybody who's doing that stop now because. There's a, a narrative in the in the media that that you know it's coming from wages that you know employers or employees are asking for higher wages to cope uh, with 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 increased inflation. That is happening, but the data shows that where the price increases are actually coming from, not wages; it's everything else. The mm. so employers kind of. Adding on a bit to their margins to cope with uncertainty.
1: And it it kind of then ends up in a kind of a spiral, then, if you're not careful. Now, in terms of mortgages, and I know this is what worries people the most, the banks have been quite slow at the beginning to pass on these rates uh, increases. and, And part of the reason for that, well, certainly the retail banks was because nobody wanted to blink first. A lot of this stuff is pre-funded anyway, so they didn't have to do it. Uh, but we have seen both AIB and Bank of Ireland put through and PTSB put through changes recently. Now, the modelling would suggest, and you're saying that it looks as if maybe there's another one on the way, but but it could have peaked. And do, do you think that that's the case now? Uh, if you can dig out your crystal ball there and let us know it would be great.
3: So, uh, I, I write for a, a, a news website called thecurrency.news, and about four weeks ago, I uh, predicted that inflation would fall like a stone this year. Um, and, in fact, that is exactly what is happening. The data show that over the last two or three months, inflation is falling substantially in the United States. It is falling substantially, uh, just about everywhere. Um, and that's, that's because of the central bank's intervention, right? It's basically told everybody, we're serious about this, uh, get your house in order, uh, and everybody kind of has done. So, to it's
1: order. working,
3: It is working. Okay. Now, uh, unbelievably, absolutely incredibly, and this is why economics is so exciting, um, uh, which is not a phrase I I think you're listening to hear a lot, (laughs) but economics is incredibly exciting um, because everything is changing around us. When I I went to college and learned economics 25 years ago, the idea was that when you increase the interest rate to curb inflation, you would increase unemployment. Employers would just let people go, Mm. right? This has not happened this time. We have a massive increase in interest rates uh, over over a sustained period of time. We have the central banks of the world saying, guys, we're going to jack up interest rates further. And the unemployment rate hasn't budged at all. It's extraordinary. Mm. Um, uh, we, we don't see people getting let go. We don't see, uh, large, by and large, in other words, there was a
1: Except sector. for the ones that maybe yeah. had yeah. over overhired yes, uh, in it's the tech
3: def- side. Issue. You, okay. When you look at the macro issues, it's much different. And it's a so, really interesting story. Um, for us and something we're going to be teaching our students down here.
1: Okay, so that's a really good, a, a really good thing. And also, then finally, of course, and briefly, th- that's good news for savers because interest rates work both ways. Savers have been beleaguered, uh, earning nothing for the last ten years, um, and and we have what, about about one hundred and fifty billion in household deposits sitting in banks and post offices and all that kind of thing. Uh, are, are savers going to get a break now? Yeah, they are
3: absolutely. Uh, we were in a period. We were. We were in a period. uh, For the last seven or eight years, called the liquidity trap, where there was no point in saving because uh, you didn't make any money from it. Um, And that's also why um, institutional funds threw loads of money into uh, property because there was just no other way to make um, uh, a decent return on on your investment. Um, And so now, with uh, the normalization of interest rates, so things are going back up to three, four, five percent. Um, we're we're starting to see uh, savers uh, earning a few quid, which is which is uh, brilliant. We're starting to see banks' balance sheets become more normalised. You know, you, everybody will be aware, like you know, you know, now you get charged to to keep a deposit in your in your in your uh, in your, ba- in, your ba- in your bank. You um, get six euros a month or something like that, mm. for Bank of Ireland. And those so, well, those charges are all to do with the fact that it actually costs the bank money to hold your okay. cash. All right. Right. that's all going away so it's so all good
1: hopefully a bit of good news but as you say back to normal rather than uh, any plummeting interest rates anytime time soon um, Professor Stephen Kinsler of University of Limerick thanks a million for joining us on the Home Show today My pleasure Now our favourite garden designer Dermot Gavin is back with us this week for his fortnightly Masterclass gardening series Welcome along Dermot Now I said you're back with us but you're in somewhere far flung whereabouts are you? I'm in Bruges in
0: Belgium, and I'm on a buying trip for bay trees. And in this part of the world, they slow grow bay for the kind of northern European market, and they've been doing it here for 600 years. So I'm going looking for some amazing specimens and really enjoying this little
1: road bay, trip. Bay trees in, in Bruges. Well, who knew? So every day is a learning day. Go. Isn't that right? Uh, no, I do yep, like an old bay. bay. I have a bay tree myself and I have to say, it doesn't matter what I do to it, it's still there. <laughs> it keeps uh, giving me leaves and uh, <laughs> yeah, throw them they, into they, everything they I make. <laughs> they are
0: great, but it, it, it kind of comes into what we're going to talk about today because I grow them here because it gets really quite cold and of course a lot of the places they ship them out to whether it be Dublin or whether it be Saint Petersburg um it, you know we have cold climates in 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 winter so if they're growing them in a cold area they're uh, will be used to the conditions when we plant them in our garden.
1: That's a good idea, actually, because some of the, you buy the little hot house, little herbs, and then they keel over That's and die it. the minute you put them outside That's at it. home, you know. All right, That's now it. we're here to talk about, okay, it's so the ongoing class about how to design our garden. Now, last time you gave us lots and lots of ideas about different styles of gardens and inspiration and where it all came from and that. We're getting into the nitty gritty bit now, Dermot, about how to actually, you know, go from paper or from your head into actually what's sitting out in front of you. And you call this a dose of reality. Tell us why.
0: Well, it's very important to acknowledge what we what you have. So last week we talked about the different styles of gardens, the uh, Renaissance Italianate garden, the wonderful Islamic gardens of the Alhambra. But now look out your back garden or your front garden or wherever it is you garden. And you have to paint a picture there that's using whatever you have. So there's two main things that come into planning any garden, and they're the most important thing. Mm -hmm. One is aspect, and aspect means where the sun is at any particular time of the day, if you get sun at all. And the second one is what your soil is like, because unless you prepare at the very start the type of planting you want to do, you will always be playing catching up. So, the hard work, either the thought about what goes where because of aspect or uh, what plants you'll be putting in your garden that will last maybe a generation. Uh, really should be put into it now.
1: Yes, because, I mean, these are things you can't change. You can't change your garden from north-facing to south-facing or the clay type. So I I suppose what you're saying is there's no point in imagining Tuscan vines rolling down your two-bed semi if if it's just never going to happen for you. If it's
0: in the shade all the time, that's right. So deal with the realities of the situation is what we're saying now the realities the situation mean that you know you can still have a beautiful garden because if you think about let's say an oak woodland or a beach woodland or a mixed woodland or something like that you will have a number of different layers you'll have your ground cover plants you'll have your bulbs that are beginning to push through at this time of the year you might have your ferns if you have your ferns under the canopy, of the trees, you'll understand that they do very well in kind of shade, heavy shade or dappled shade. And you'll have some very dark green kind of shrubbery. You'll understand that that does well. Now, it might be an open moorland, And uh, if, you, if you go up into the wilds of Wicklow or some part of Kerry, look at the plants that grow there where it's completely exposed. So it might be sedges or heathers or ornamental or grasses mm. of, of, of some type. So there are plants and therefore a style of planting for every single situation. And often okay. it makes sense to go with you know the situation that you have. So to go with that dappled shade kind of woodland garden, if you're in the inner city and your neighbour's trees are stopping any light getting in and there's no way you can negotiate a, a, a solution there. But get to know what you have in terms of aspect and then work with that.
1: And you recommend doing that over four seasons because, I mean, we we all want to plant gardens that are going to work all year round, not just, you know, for the gorgeous summer period where it's a profusion of colour. But we like to look out in the winter, in the autumn and see, you know, planting that's appropriate for that too.
0: That's right. See something that, there, there? Now you might be looking just at the bones of the garden, and this is where the Italians were very good. When they laid out their Renaissance garden, they were generally set out to be seen from upstairs in the palace. and, and they would use evergreens. So they would use you or box of or some type of holly, something like that, to lay out the strong lines. Because mm. we need to look at something, and often the, the, the worst thing in a garden and some of your listeners have sent in photographs of these, is in the middle of winter, just looking at the bare bones, which is the hedge or the fence or whatever, and everything else is a bit miserable. So plan for all seasons. Yeah. We're so lucky we get four distinct seasons. So the garden is always on a journey. And at the moment, it might be snowdrops that are the the delights. It might be a winter scent, or it might be something that's creating structure like the topiary I'm seeing here in in Brussels that at this time of the year, everything else has kind of faded away. But that piece of tolbury with an amusing or a formal shape is really catching your attention.
1: Okay, get the nail scissors out and keep it nice and trim. Now, you mentioned some of our uh, listener questions and we got loads of them in, Dermot, uh, after you were in the last time. People sending in photographs of their gardens and aspects of the gardens and all that. So let's go, let's go through a couple of them and see if we can right. give people advice. And if anybody does want to get in a question to Dermot for now or for the next time he's in uh, it is the home show at newstalk.com. Now the first one comes from uh, Alison uh, Bailey in Wicklow and Alison has moved to Wicklow in May 2021. She got her a mature garden of unloved shrubbery and a lawn. She doesn't like it and she wants to change it up. Now she's removed all the shrubs she says which were mostly woody uh, leaving a large expanse of lawn. She has a lovely mature willow she says in the front garden and some nice trees and a beech hedge around the perimeter so this is obviously something that's been uh, done over the years she's interested in creating Dermot a habitat for wildlife and she's thinking of reseeding the lawn she said, with clover and has planted some native hazel trees now she's got a busy family life family of six and a dog and a cat uh, but she is committed to supporting the local environment and wildlife and maybe a veg patch too now what more uh, can Alison do there?
0: Well, first of all, the photographs are just glorious, uh, and she has the advantage. I think she went upstairs to take this man's photograph, so she has a borrowed landscape, and her borrowed landscape includes a vast sky, the sugarloaf mountains in the difference, and then rolling hills on either side. She knows what she likes, she knows what she doesn't like. That's really important, so she's taken out those woody shrubs, and I can see that they were things like senecios and dwarf conifers and... Each um, kind of other, uh, she's quite right, quite quite boring. What I would suggest is it's quite a big garden and she has this busy life. So I've made a sketch uh, of her plot and I'll put that out on Instagram. I would say she's going exactly the right way wanting to encourage the wildlife in. So if she covers area, if she sows seeds, different types of wildflower seeds, just in four rugs, four big circles that she lays down in the garden. Um, that is absolutely brilliant for wildlife, for pollinators, for all sorts of birds, bees, insects, uh, so many sources of joy for us in terms of the colour that comes up. So easy to do because in mid-March is there soon, uh, or mid-April or mid-May, because there'll be a succession of uh uh, of meadows uh, there, just in flower a few weeks after they shut Just She strips off some of that lawn, rakes over the ground, sows this seed that she can get from a place called Connected to Nature, who are based in County Kilkenny, uh, and it could be a grassy um, meadow. Even if she let one area, one big circle, uh, just grow, see what comes up there. It might be wild orchids. Uh, it, <laughs> it could be anything or Fun. some other pollinator makes it
1: okay well, and actually I, I love that idea of kind of keeping it in a circle and it's contained so you get all the beauty of it but it's not completely rampant across the whole garden which would make it look like a bit like a meadow okay well listen that, that, Alison
0: that's right so you have architectural shape there too and even kind of gra- <laughs> a a grass pathway through those you know uh circles uh, of medals. But I put that Wonderful. in on Instagram. Wonderful. so oh, easy to do.
1: OK, that's such a good idea, Dermot. OK, Alison, I hope you enjoyed that and that is a weekend project for you sorted out uh, over the next uh, while. Now, uh, uh, Paul from Cork, a contact as well, love the chat with Dermot, he says, we're looking for design inspiration on the south-facing garden. So you're lucky right off the mark there, Paul, with that lovely garden. He said the soil is quite clay-heavy, so when it rains, the garden tends to assume swamp-like features and uh, he thinks he's looking at a complete renovation in terms of digging it out but is not averse to radical design ideas. Dermot?
0: Well, he's very lucky on two counts. He lives in Cork, first of all, <laughs> and secondly, South Facing Garden. Now, he has this heavy clay soil. and That just means the molecules, all the parts of the soil stick together and uh, it makes it almost impossible to work. So I'm not going to talk about this on from Paul and Cork because he hasn't sent me any photographs. But what I am going to do is talk about soil improvement. There is one way, two main types of soil that we get. One is the type of heavy clay soil that he has. The other is the light sandy soil that won't retain. So in Wicklow, if you were near British Bay or something like that and you did some planting, you know that any water or any nutrients, any liquid, it just drains right the way through. How you improve soil is to dig in good organic matter. It might be well-rotted farmyard manure, at least a year-old year stuff that doesn't smell. Dig that in. Uh, that will improve. It'll break down that heavy clay soil over time. And it'll make all the nutrients, all the trace elements that are in that heavy clay available to the roots of the plants. If it's the light sandy soil, again, the answer is good organic material. All sorts of organic uh, material might be compost that you've made yourself or that farm yard manure. What that does is it, it creates body and it mm. allows the soil to retain moisture, to suck it in like a capillary mat and let it out um, okay. uh, uh, kind of. Uh, yeah, gently, So let's get the soil right, Paul, first. All right. Before we talk about design. The design. Send me some photographs and then we'll look at something
1: all radical. Right. Okay, listen, uh, Paul, I hope that helps you. I mean, you will have you mightn't have to travel too far to find a bit of old manure uh, down where you are and that'll certainly uh, certainly help it. mid, thank you so much uh, for all of that. I, I have to say we've got loads more uh, questions. We just don't have the time to cover it. But you will be back in a fortnight and we will have others yes. and we can talk about it then. And in the meantime, your Instagram, with all its good advice, is Dermot Gavin. Isn't that right? At uh, Dermot
0: Gavin. And I've put up some of these sketches that I've done. With some of the letters, I've, put, uh, I've done sketches over photographs to show, and I've put some inspiration Fantastic. things to show what they do. So I put the questions and answers on Instagram
1: stories. All right. Well, safe home from Bruges, and we will talk to you the next time you're in. And you're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast. Uh, Now, from richer paint tones to bold prints and fancy wallpaper, what are the high-end trends in interiors this year if you want to go all out well, interior designer? Arlene McIntyre for Ventura Design dresses the homes of the rich and famous and joins me now to tell me. Arlene, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me, Sinead. Now, you've been on your travels. Mm Mm-hmm. Doing what you do, which is swanning about Europe, looking at the design houses uh, to see what is coming down the line, what is on trend and what people are looking for this year. And I know you don't live and die by trends because, you know, you're very individual and you like talking to people the way they live their lives. But what kind of things have you noticed? There is an
4: absolute major strong movement towards a particular look. And it's been coming on stream for about two years now, but it's really at the forefront. And it's like a modern, rustic feel to all the interiors. So you're seeing a lot more antiques being introduced back into spaces. There's a vintage vibe, almost bohemian, layers of different textures. Really warm tones are being reintroduced back into the home. Really nice, earthy tones. That sounds very comfortable. Yes. Very
1: homely Mm. and cosy. So people are really nesting, I think. And what do you put that down to? I think that's just we're resetting after COVID and reimagining our homes now, not as workspaces and, you know, confinement. Exactly. About a little bit of comfort.
4: So interiors are actually feeling a lot less glossy and uber luxurious. I think they're more textured and uh, where people can can connect to the pieces of furniture in their home. They like an antique piece that tells a story. So there is a, an actual shift happening right now within interiors.
1: And I suppose that means then that there's a move back and thank goodness for it to not have a, everything look like a hotel or, yes. or looking the same, mm-hmm. you know, the the kind of the glossy minimalist finish. Yes. Because when you introduce individual pieces, you're going to get a whole different vibe in in each different house.
4: Yeah. And I think during the pandemic, a lot of people spent so much time in their homes and probably had lists of regrets, maybe of things, mistakes they had made. And they wanted it to look less like a hotel, just like you said. Mm. And they wanted to bring in pieces that maybe reminded them of the past or told a very interesting story or felt warmer and richer. People are using plants a lot more in their homes. Mm. You're seeing a lot less artificial plants. Uh, all you're seeing a huge I mean sustainability is majorly at the forefront yeah. of design and it's not going anywhere and so that is a very considered thing within well designers are considering that when they're making new
1: proposals to clients but clients are asking for that too. Yeah there's been a huge shift and I've, I've done it in my own home bringing large plants mm-hmm. <laughs> indoors Yes, uh, and just having that greenery and having that, that sense of of living, uh, of the outside inside, you know, it's very, very important. I can see lots of that. Okay, in terms of colour then, um, what kind of colours are we looking at to match that vibe that's going on?
4: Well, we're going to see a lot less of that grey tone. And if people have already really heavily invested in grey, and a lot of my clients also have invested in that tone, they're looking to warm that up. So, so the elephant breath is uh, is gone. No, <laughs> if you've invested in that, because I always try and think of this of that person that's really you know invested in that. They've spent a considerable amount of money, if you like, if we take one room, a living room, and they have elephant's breath on their walls and a mm. lot of the grey tones. They have spent that money. So how can we warm up that room? So I would be advising them to look at the rug, maybe get a lovely bronze-toned rug. Chocolate tones, bronze tones, lovely rust, warmer tones are coming in to 2023 and right into 2024. Loads of greens
1: and just everything that feels warm and cosy. Okay, Camel warm tones. and cosy. And like we do like that because it does create that kind of sense of place and of home. Yes. Um, where you're kind of wrapping yourself in natural... F- so so would that go through to natural fibres like linens Absolutely. and hemp and things? A 100%. And you're seeing like
4: kilims. Like it's been a long time since we've seen kilim rugs in... In homes, but that is like really coming back in. Ralph Lauren has been very true to that look, and so their look is really coming back in of almost that Cherokee Indian feel. Okay, so mm-hmm.
1: that's about texture then as well, yes. and so those patterns then are quite bold. They are. So like you're you looking at that Aztec kind of designs, yeah, and geometric and all that kind of thing. Yeah,
4: I think it's actually less geometric. It's it's more. Um, it's all about that hand-weave finish. So you would see that in an Aztec design. Mm. You might see that from Morocco or a Killam. You might see that from various parts of Peru or parts of America. So you're seeing really interesting pieces coming into the home and then people are pulling a really strong tone out, out of that
1: and then fanning that into the room. And, of course, very often, traditionally, those pieces would have been made by whatever was around in the area. So that earthenware tone and yes. those kinds of, of plums wicker. and beiges. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, we can be on trend with that. <laughs> now, according to Chinese tradition, this is the year of the rabbit, the yes. water rabbit. Yep. Is that making an impact yes. in design? Yes. I totally saw rabbits
4: uh, when I was away, coming through on wallpapers, uh, definitely on in children's bedrooms in particular. Okay, of course. But I mean, they're fun. So you couldn't really kind of see that kind of rabbit pattern, a pattern with a rabbit in it or in a wallpaper, being introduced into a look that was classic. <laughs> or, You know that classic country home in a boot yeah. room or in a fla- in a fun playroom, but definitely I've seen it for children's room. So rooms. it's like a
1: playful a playful thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Valentine's Day is around the corner now. Do you think rabbits play <laughs> a
4: part multiplying like <laughs> rabbits?
1: Okay. Well, why not? <laughs> All right. Now you mentioned there uh, sustainability and. The whole thing and the importance of that, and and goodness knows we cover it enough on the home yes. show because it's such an important topic and mm-hmm. people are really really buying into it. This sense that, um, you you know, talking about those trends you're talking about, which which hark back maybe to a different time, is there is there a piece maybe that people could do now about looking at maybe their parents' homes or older pieces that they had discarded in the kind of the glossiness of, of the last few years that maybe we could root out old pieces oh, again and reuse them. Oh, it's all about
4: that. So it's, you're
1: 100% on it. That's exactly what's
4: happening right now. So it's not about throwing things away. It's about keeping things and and appreciating how special they are, especially if they have memories or if they were handed down through the family and how, can, how you can actually upcycle them and give them new handles and give them lots of love and give them new finishes and paint finishes and you know, polish
1: them up and make them look like new. So it's all Uh, about that. And as you said, there's a story then when you do that, because people come in and say, oh, where did you get the new dresser? It's so rewarding. It's it's 50 years old. It's not new at all. But here's what I did to it.
4: And get the whole family involved in that. It's just really nice. It's really rewarding. I'm really
1: happy and excited about this new movement. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so lots of comfort and earthy tones. And go easy on the rabbits. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Arlene McIntyre, you're so good. Thank you so much again. Thank and uh, Ventura Design is on Instagram, of course, and you can find everything that you need to know there uh, for Arlene. Thank you for listening to The Home Show podcast. I'm Sinead Ryan. And remember, if you'd like to get involved in the show or you have a topic or guest you'd like us to have on, well, then please do get in touch. You can do that by emailing us anytime during the week at at thehomeshow@newstalk.com, or you can fire me over a question on Instagram. You'll find me there at Sinead Ryan 100. And thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Home Show podcast. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning
0: at 8. On News Talk.